Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. In today's episode, we're joined by Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation. Carol is a talent equity and leadership advisory expert recognized for her work in corporate leadership. She spent three decades helping executives gain clarity in their careers, make bold moves, and create cultures of performance. Carol and her team have helped hundreds of companies from seed stage, pre-initial public offerings to publicly traded companies transform their organizations and create sustainable, talent-centric cultures that run at maximum efficiency. She's the host of the popular podcast, Authentically Successful, and released a new book in January 2022 through Story Chorus Publishing titled Powered by People, How Talent-Centric Organizations Master Recruitment, Retention, and Revenue, and How to Build One. We brought Carol on today to talk about talent-centric organizations and help answer the question, can companies survive the forever resignation? Carol, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Josh, glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you on. Thank you for joining. Really to kick off the new year. And as I mentioned, we brought you on today to talk about talent-centric organizations, something that's really important for so many in the HR recruiting and talent community. And I can't wait to dig into that with you. But before we get started, I'd love to get you introduced to our audience. So can you start us off by taking us through your career path a bit and share what led you to a career in recruiting and talent strategy? Wow. Um, I don't know if we have enough time for all of that, but uh, what, I, what I will say is I started in search in 1992. I happened to be out of work that summer and, you know, was talking to some friends and, and I started thinking, I was looking through the want ads back when there were want ads right in the paper and started seeing all these ads for recruiters. And I thought, hmm, I wonder what that is. I had been dating a gentleman, um, mentioned it to him. That's happened to be his, what he was doing for a living. And he said, oh, Carol, you'd be perfect for that job. Interviewed with a number of companies, subsequently joined the one that felt the best to me and spent my first nine years of my career with that company. You know, there's a lot to learn in recruiting. Really, it took me, when I look back, I would say about six years to really start to understand what search was all about. And that was with really great training. I think most firms don't train well. And most recruiters don't even understand what recruiting is. And then in 1998, so I'd been in the business then for six years. In 1998, I started doing my training and development work and learning how to be coach and what coaching was. So I've got about 25 years under my belt in that area and uh, just over 30 years in recruiting. And uh, in 2008, 2009, I had an epiphany that the whole recruiting and coaching process was broken <laughs> and for a multitude of reasons. Uh, and the internet is one of those reasons that recruiting is broken, in my opinion. And I kind of walked away. I, I got out of bed one morning and just could not emotionally make the trip down to my office and thought, hmm, there's got to be a different way to do this. I started interviewing a number of executives, you know, leaders that I had known for at that point, you know, 16 years I'd been in the business. And as I started asking questions about what I thought was broken about the process, I started getting back, yes, that's a problem, that's a problem, that's a problem you know, for any business to truly be successful, you need to be solving a problem that people need to have solved. So that's really the high level view of looking at it. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Well, yeah, and thank you for sharing that, Carol. It's a great, exciting career path and a great way to see, too, how pursuing passions and really going with your gut and trusting that Mm -hmm. feeling of what gets you up in the morning can really lead you down your career path and bring you to some great Mm -hmm. things. And as I mentioned Mm -hmm. just at the top with your bio, you've accomplished so much in in those 30 years Mm -hmm. of of really being in this recruiting and talent strategy space and and done so many different things, including hosting a podcast as a fellow podcaster. So uh, I love that and love having you on here. But let's dig into uh, the topic that I had mentioned right at the top, and that's understanding where we are with talent right now in 2023. So what does it take for organizations to attract talent in this new year in 2023 and really become talent magnets during such a challenging time for hiring teams? Mm-hmm. Josh, that's a really great question. And, and, and I want to put a caveat in there to your question that is, it depends. <laughs> okay. Your typical sales answer, right? It depends. And part of what people think is, you know, what do we need to do now that we were doing different before? And I think it's important to point out that, you know, there's all these buzzwords, right? The quiet quitting, quiet firing. I mean, there's a mil- we've just written an article about that that hasn't been placed yet, but we, we've just finished putting the final touches on that, that these are not new problems. These are just names for problems that have been going on for probably longer than I've been in the business. Yeah, the trendy right? terms. Not- that The trendy terms. Thank you. That's a great way to look at it. And... What's important to remember is that it depends on who you are as a company, right? What a talent strategy for a company like Oracle or SAP or IBM is distinctly different among the three of them than what a startup needs to do for their talent strategy because not every person is a big company employee. Not every person is a startup employee. Yeah, the different rules, different expectations, different needs for each level of a company's growth. That's right. It's what's what's important there is that you need to be asking yourself, does this person want to come work for us? Does the person we have determined that we want to hire for XYZ role, whether it's, you know, a field salesperson or customer success or, you know, software engineering, whatever that might be. Does the position that we have built for this individual, does that person want to come work for us? And companies in the past have not asked that question. And they better be asking that question. That's interesting. Is it better for hiring teams to be looking at the perfect person and kind of fill to the role or have that role picked out and find the person that fits the spot? Hmm. That's a good question. And it could be both of those things, right? So it's important to determine what are we looking for in an employee, in a candidate for this, for this particular role, whatever that role might be. And, you know, those questions we, and I talk about this a good bit in my book is asking, and often that's where that third party comes in to ask you 40 or 50 questions about each role. Because I, or someone else like me, is going to come in and ask you questions that are living in a blind spot for you. Right. Right. And there are many of those questions. And that's where that position description starts. And then once we've determined, here's what we're looking for in an employee, now we can start saying, does this person want to come work for us? Maybe we know the answer to that. Maybe we don't as a company. 
because this might be something brand new at how a company is starting to think about their talent. It's like saying, well, for a field salesperson, how long do we really want this person to stay with us? Right. Is it three years? Is it four years? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it two years? You know, if, it, if, if you're looking for somebody that you really would like to, to stay for at least three to five years, you know, why are you looking at people who've had a job every one to two? Right. That's a simple way to really look for the right talent is to understand who you are, what your needs are. Right. And then take that to the market. Right. You're not trying to put a square peg into a round hole. Exactly. And, and also what the needs are of the candidate. Sure. You know, I, I have found so often people, people are now starting to ask that question, but I've been asking that question for years. What are you looking for in a company, Mr. or Miss Candidate? What is it going to take for you to stay here for five years? What do you need from us? Yeah. And that's a great way for a hiring team to understand, are they the right fit? Right. Can we give that talent what they need? Exactly. So as I mentioned, you recently released the book titled mm -hmm. Powered by People, How Talent-Centric Organizations Master Recruitment, Retention, and Revenue, and How to Build One. So help us understand, what is a talent-centric organization? Well, there's three core principles behind what a talent center organization is. And the first is leadership working under an aligned vision that everyone can articulate all the way down the food chain, right? The focus is truly on your people. Everything you do drives better experiences for your people. And that has to start at the C-suite with them being aligned. Second is a talent development strategy from recruiting to succession beyond the C-suite. Right? A lot of people think of succession only at the C-suite. Right. And that's, that's a critical error if you're only thinking of it at the C-suite. And by the way, this also includes building diversity so you avoid suffering from groupthink. And then the third thing is built-in blind spot awareness from established feedback loops. And that's really about coaching your teams. You know, individual coaching, group coaching, depends on what you need. And it's about shifting how you think and therefore how you work. And as I said, that begins at the leadership team and then trickles down throughout the organization. Interesting. What are causing those blind spots? What are some of the biggest challenges that teams are seeing? I mean, a blind spot is, is it, it, we all have them. And I mean, a blind spot is really, you don't know what you don't know. Right. It's a good way to look at it. I mean, that's the way I've been looking at it for 25 years, you know, from the, for the training that I have been doing. You know, you know what you know, and you know what you don't know, but you don't know what you don't know, and that's a blind spot. So that's where great coaching comes in. So, for example, communication is a lot of, a lot of the important work that I do, starting at the leadership team. I can't tell you the numbers of leaders that I've worked with in the past that just do not know how to communicate. You know, they prefer to communicate maybe by text or email. Well, north of 50% of people misinterpret text and email. Absolutely. That's one of the biggest challenges we've seen with going remote with so many teams. That's right. You lose that human touch. You lose that tone. It's really a problem, and you don't get the tone. Yeah. Okay. Um, so teaching people how to communicate and, and, and the most effective words to use. You know, we don't often realize that sometimes the words we use land in the receiver's world and the receiver doesn't even necessarily consciously see it, but it does affect them unconsciously in a negative way. Interesting. And you also have to communicate with different generations differently. Right. 
which has certainly been a challenge that many teams are taking on now is understanding that as the Gen Z workforce continues to grow, I mean, they're saying it'll be about a quarter of the workforce by 2025. Really? Yeah. And that's something that the teams will have to start thinking about leadership teams all the way from the top of the C-suite mm-hmm. to communicate their message. And so much of what we talk about with building corporate culture goes back to having a universal message and really understanding how to communicate from the top down. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand how to do that to a changing workforce. Right. That's so crucial. Well, Carol, yeah. what's something that maybe organizations and their HR leaders, their people leaders are getting wrong as they're looking at corporate culture, as we're talking about, that may be holding them back from becoming the talent-centric organizations that they want to be? Well, I think one thing is, and, and I know you and I talked a little bit about this already, is the fact that I believe, and you know, I didn't just make this up, this is 30 years of experience, is that talent strategy has no business reporting to HR. And by putting human resources in charge of your talent engine, which is a sales engine, is a huge mistake. So yes, should HR be, be part of culture? Yes, but so should the CEO and the CFO and you know, the CTO and so on and so forth. If you've got an aligned executive team, everyone is part of that, including your chief talent officer. Right. Okay. So, you know, you as a team, as an executive team can say, okay, here's the culture we want to build. The first thing is when the rubber meets the road, are we really doing that? Are we just blowing sunshine up someone's skirt and saying, here's our culture and we're not practicing what we're preaching? The culture has to be really like gutturally in, you know, entrenched in you. Right. That's leading from the front. That's showing actual buy-in from the top down. You can throw a lot That's of right. the, the kind of catchy terms there, but they're, they're all true. That's right. And it, it's, it's super important that everybody on that executive team is bought into that and understands what that means and what it looks like in practice. And then how to filter that out throughout the organization and your hires. Yeah. It, it takes work. You know, it's like a marriage. If you want your marriage to be successful, you must work at it. Yeah. And that, and that goes back to, again, your initial point with attracting talent and assessing, taking stock of where you are as a company at a current state, mm-hmm. especially those that are growing, that are coming off of maybe being startups to now in more of a full-formed operating structure, right? You have different talent needs. You have different right. needs of your people at various stages. And that's absolutely crucial. So what about for those organizations that are looking to become more talent-centric? Maybe they've identified that, hey, this is somewhere we need to be better. Where's a, where's a great place to start to become more talent-centric? Well, it's always going to start at the executive team, right? If, if, a company, if a company, when I ask them, you know, what do you think your problem is here? If the answer is something around recruiting, that's only a symptom of the problem. That's not actually their problem. <laughs> okay. It's, it's showing up as recruiting because something else is not working. So... I, I always say it's important to start by asking each member of the executive team what your vision is for the company. I had a founder last week, a co-founder, say to me, well, they would say it's so-and-so, you know, her, she used her name. Well, it's, it's what, you know, what Jane's vision is. I said, well, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> they have to be bought into that vision. If they think it's just what your vision is, then there's some misalignment here, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and asking people, this is really sort of a red herring question, you know, what department or function uh, do you believe is the most important to the success of the company? And those questions, those are the things I start with. And that's where 
any company can ask those questions of themselves to determine where the gaps are in alignment, like on a scale of one to 10. Those two things right there will tell me something. And then I can start asking questions. Well, why do you think that, you know, your technology department's the most important function? Why do you think that's the most important function? Why do you think sales is the most important function? Why do you think finance is the most important function? Yeah, and that goes back to your point about the feedback loop and finding, that's identifying exactly those blind right. spots. Uh, so I mean, what are some methods that teams can do to break that loop, to maybe shake up the feedback process a bit and mm-hmm. start to get uh, maybe answers that they're not conditioned to be hearing? Yeah, that's a really good question. So again, you can start by asking these questions and and then continuing to ask questions on why, you know, what is it about your thinking that has you thinking that at sales is the most important guy in the room? I love it. You know, do you, do you actually, do you actually think that if you didn't have a good product, your sales could be successful? That's very much a look in the mirror question, which is Mm -hmm. so important. Yeah, it really, really is. So Carol, as we're having this conversation in January, 2023, and Mm -hmm. everyone's coming with their new year's resolutions to improve and get the year kicked off better. Let's try and look at some options and and some ideas that maybe our listeners can take here. So what's one thing hiring teams should stop doing going into 2023? I think they should stop looking at recruiting as their problem and look at what we're missing in our strategy, right? So, you know, this whole post and pray, we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring that's on everybody's LinkedIn. I mean, I'm not saying you might, it's impossible. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll find a diamond there, but that's not what recruiting is. That's post and pray. Right. You're throwing a line out there looking for a bite. That's right. That's a great way to, that's in fact, that's a great way to refer to it. And, you know, posting all their job ads online, post and pray. Who's reading the want ads? We talked about this right at the beginning of the show, right? I was out of work looking through the want ads in 1992. (laughs) Right. So instead, proactivity seems to be maybe what hiring teams should start doing then for 2023. That's right. That's exactly right. Headhunting is proactive, not reactive. And, and we live in a very reactive world. I mean, if you want to find adequate people or mediocre people, post and pray. I, I recently saw somebody, it was called a senior recruiter, and the guy had three months of experience. Really? How's that possible? Yeah. I mean, again, three months, you're really just learning your role. Well, and, and that's assuming somebody's there to even teach that person, right? Recruiting right. is not putting somebody behind a desk and having them send out LinkedIn spam. That is not recruiting. So that brings the question up then of job descriptions. Are those counterproductive? A, a good, and, and I distinguish in the book the difference between a job description and a position description, you know, and, and some people might think that's just ridiculous, but... You know, a job description is what you see all over the place. You know, a paragraph about the company and a litany of bullet points of what we're looking for and maybe maybe why we're so great to work for. A position description is something that's actually, like I said, it, like I said earlier, you know, asking that 40, 45, 50 questions of the stakeholders to get them really thinking about the culture, the skills required for this particular job. You know, are they going to be leading people? Those kind of qualities in a leader you're looking for. How does the person in this role going to need to be communicating? People aren't really thinking about those things in depth. And when you're not thinking about something in depth, you can't create a position and interview for it effectively. Right? I I, I encourage companies, 
I, I teach them and we work on building competency models. And the competency model comes after the position description. So for example, you've got maybe 30 competencies for a role. And in each of those, they're ranked by level of importance, low, medium, and high to do jobs successfully. People don't usually think about that. So this particular competency, is this a, you know, low importance, medium importance, or high importance? So then as we interview each person, we can now look at that competency model and score somebody on a one to five. So if four of us have interviewed you, Josh, on a particular competency, and you got one, one, two twos, and a five on a competency that's of high importance, now the four of us can have a conversation and go, okay, what's going awry here? Why, does, why did you give a five on this competency? Is it because you don't understand the competency? Or the, those of us who are giving a one and a two, are we being too hard on them? Do we not understand the competency? So we now have more objective ways to start looking at things. Yeah, it seems like that process helps focus more in on the soft skills piece too. Instead of just going to the right to the text of your job description, which can be very restrictive. And like we said at the start, no company is the same. No position really is the same. It's very rare to find an exact apples to Mm -hmm. apples comparison uh, between what you're currently doing and maybe that next position. So, so to think that you're going to find that exact fit by, by using a job description can be very restrictive when you create something that can look more to the soft skills of of what's going Mm -hmm. to make that ideal candidate successful. That seems just to put, teams in a much better position to find that right person, find that right that's talent. Right. And, yeah. And that's really what a position description will do. You think a lot about, a lot more about those things. That's great. Right. And those, not only the soft skills to do the job, but the, the skills and the requirements that I, as a candidate, want to see in a company. Yeah. The things that I need. Right. So, you know, asking me, gosh, you know, what's it going to take, you know, Carol, to keep you there for, to keep you here for five years. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I really, you know, I'd like upward mobility. And with that, I'd like to see what kind of training comes along with that. Right. And a lot of companies take somebody and put them into a, into a new role and they don't give them any coaching or training, or they do something internally with somebody who doesn't actually have the training to, or the capacity to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and then that brings on all the challenges of imposter syndrome of just mm-hmm. to use the term, just getting over their skis where again, they, they're already drowning in the first three months. You're not setting your new hires up for success. They're certainly not going to be a long-term successor, less likely. Right, Josh. And it's amazing that, you know, you know what the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You know, I can't tell you the numbers of times I've talked to people over the years. So, so, and, and you get to the point, you know, I'd get to the point with them in the interview and talking to them about, you know, tell me on a scale of one to 10, you know, where are you? One being, I'm never leaving here to attend being, I should have been out of here two months ago. Right. And, you know, somebody says, well, I'm, I'm a seven or an eight. Well, why is that? Well, because they just promoted somebody above me who has no experience, never managed before, and they're not giving him any training <laughs> and they're a nightmare to work for. I mean, I, I, I could still pick up the phone and call people and I would still get that yeah. answer. And I don't understand it. It is such a critical error. I think companies are so focused on making money and, you know, moving along day to day that they don't think about the important things that they need to be doing. And that's another thing that makes a company talent centric. You can't just promote somebody and not give them training and coaching on how to be a manager and how to communicate with people. Yeah. You can't do it. It's not going to, that's how you're going to lose people. Uh, that That is some 
great advice, and we're giving giving our audience some great takeaways here, especially as they get their their new year started mm-hmm. off here, Carol. So thank you for that. So what's something you're excited about in the world of recruiting and talent strategy going into 2023? I believe that more and more companies are really starting to take this seriously. Good. And, and that's, you know, I've been preaching this for many, many years and it, and you know what they talk about the 20 year overnight success, right? (laughs) Nothing happens overnight. It, it change is difficult for companies and you know, founders, CEOs really have to have a commitment to making this work for their companies. As you said, it takes time. And I think we went through such a sudden change in 2020 yeah. that caused so many organizations to have to come up with a new game plan immediately mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I think organizations are still in that mindset of figuring out, okay, how do we manage as a distributed workforce or in a, in a hybrid model right. um, and are trying to react quickly. And I think we're seeing that just across the job market as well as teams are expanding too quickly and then having to rescale. And, and that's, that, is not a new, that is not a new problem sure. either, right? I mean, I just heard this morning that I think it was Salesforce is laying off 10% of their employees. Yeah. And this is not uncommon with publicly traded companies. I mean, they didn't say why they were laying off 10%. Is the reality that they're not selling as much or is the reality that their stock price is down so they need to cut they need to cut money out of their Right. Level? There's a lot of factors in play, but the quick reaction can sometimes be a challenge. And that's where... Going back to the initial point of take assessment, understand who you are as a company, mm-hmm. where you are, what your needs are, right. and really be honest with yourselves when going into the talent market. I think that's a big piece of the puzzle there. That's right. So again, we're here with Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation. You recently released your book, Powered by People, mm-hmm. How Talent-Centric Organizations Master Recruitment, Retention, and Revenue. Where can they find that if they're interested to learn more? Uh, well, they can they can get it directly from Amazon. There's also a link to it on my website, verticalelevation.com. Perfect. And we'll share that with our readers as well through our post on HR Daily Advisor. Carol, for our listeners, do you have anything you want to share, anything you're excited about? You know, all I would, I think what I would, one of the things I would want to leave people with is that, you know, the challenge in HR is that HR has influence and no power. That's challenging to be in that kind of a place. So, I would say if you're having challenges and you want to build a talent-centric organization, you need to influence your CEO of the importance of that. And if there's any CEOs out there or founders listening to this, I would say that you need to be open to the possibility that there is a more effective way to do things. But it's going to take some work and some time to get there. That's great. Uh, Thank you for sharing that one. people are busy. Well said, Carol. Well said. So what's something you've learned about yourself over the past year? I typically ask this question, and it previously had been, what's something you'd learned about yourself since 2020? But uh, 2022 taught us a lot as well. So let's get us kicked off there, Carol, um, as our first guest of 2023. What's something that you learned about yourself over that past year? That's a really, really good question. That's a hard question, actually. Um, I think, I don't think I've learned, that this is not new for me, but I sometimes have to remind myself that, as I've already said, nothing happens overnight. And there's a big difference between want and commitment. And I've learned this, I learned this many, many years ago. So sometimes even when I start feeling a little bit low that people are just not getting this as quickly as I'd like them to, they say they're committed, but they're not. I just have to remind myself that I'm committed. And that means continuing to do what I'm doing 
and putting one step in front of the other every day. I love that. Yeah, nothing happens overnight. There's no such thing as the uh, it's like the the twenty year success or what was the uh, the term you threw out? The twenty year overnight success. <laughs> I hadn't heard that before, and, and I'll certainly be taking that out of our our interview here. Uh, but it's so true. So yeah, thank you for sharing that, Carol. Now speaking of advice, do you have any advice that you've leaned on throughout your professional career that you feel has really helped make you successful that you could pass along to our audience? Yeah, that's also another really good question. And this is what a, a great coach said to me years ago. There's a couple of things that I've always taken with me. One is you don't have business problems. You have personal problems that show up in your business. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, that's where, you know, I'm not sitting here. I'm not looking to be anybody's life coach. But what I am is, you, you know, one cannot purely separate who they are at home from who they are at work. So that's where great coaching and looking at what you might be missing and, and, and the baggage that you're carrying into your life. And that is something that I have to think about every day. Am I bringing my personal crap into my business? Yeah. One of the best things that I had heard over the last year in doing these interviews, if someone referred to it as work-life blend, there's no such thing as a balance. They, they overlap. They can't yeah, just that's right. exist in silos. It, it's all blended. Yeah. And I think that's I love so that. crucial to look at it that it, it does overlap. And yeah, being aware of that, take, keep keeping that in mind, I think is crucial. Yeah, that's, I'm going to steal that from you. I think that's, that's great, the work-life blend. You know, and the other is being inside your own head is like being behind enemy lines. <laughs> uh, and one of my greatest coaches told me that. He had, he had learned it from someone else. And when you really think about that, that's where, you know, being inside your own head is a really, really dangerous place to be. It is so important to get those things out of your head, to talk about those things, get yourself a great coach you know, or an advisor, whatever works for you personally, there's too much, there's too much rattling around in between our ears. And if we leave, if we leave it to that, there are going to be consequences and they will not be positive. Yeah. Find a mentor, find a mentor, find a coach. Some great advice. Mm -hmm. All right, Carol. Well, look, Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation. Before we wrap, uh, there's actually one question that I love to close out with all of our guests. When you wake up in the morning, it, it, it's all about motivation and really what gets you started. When you wake up in the morning, your feet hit the floor. What is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? Possibility. That's great. The possibility of what today will bring. I love it. All right. Well, Carol, that is a great way to close out. So again, Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation. Thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast. Thanks for having this great conversation about being a talent-centric organization and really helping our listeners get kicked off into 2023 in the right way. So Again, thanks for joining. I hope we can keep this conversation going more in the future, but uh, this was great. Yeah, Josh, really pleasure to be with Likewise. you. Likewise. Thank love, you, love Carol. The thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.